0: Welcome to Creation Training Radio and TV. I'm your host, Mike Riddle, from Creation Training Initiative, or CTI. And what we do at CTI is we have training courses to help prepare people to speak and teach on creation. Now this week we have a very special guest with us again, Buddy Davis. Thank you for coming back. We had a wonderful session last time on dinosaurs, but it, we still have a lot to go on. There's a lot more to
1: cover, and thanks for inviting yes. me back.
0: Yes, and Buddy, give me some of your background again.
1: And what do all you All right. Do? Well, I, for for I work for Answers in Genesis, and uh, and then I I do some things by myself as well. And I'm a singer songwriter, so I do concerts all over the, the all over the. United States and really all over the world. I've been to Africa, been to, to uh, Australia, so we, we get all around with our music and our speaking these days. I heard
0: you just did a concert in a cave.
1: I did, <laughs> I did. We have a brand new DVD that's out, it's all on caving. And, uh, and so, um, um, th- since I'm a singer, uh, they decided, well, why don't Buddy uh, do a concert in this cave? And it was at Cumberland Caverns in Tennessee. It's a wonderful, wonderful cave to go and visit. And so uh, we, we did a concert there. We actually camped out inside the cave. I took I, I think I had about 90 people that went with me. Mm-hmm. And um, since we had this DVD out, they kind of wanted to put that all together. And you to
0: get back in there, you couldn't walk all the way, could you?
1: Oh, no. We, there, there. There's some parts where we had to crawl. When we were doing the show, I crawled like 200, 200 yards and maybe more than that you couldn't even get on your knees i mean you had to just slide like a snake on your on your belly and then it would open up into some beautiful beautiful um, huge rooms and they said that we filmed some things that had never been filmed in, in, in these caves before.
0: You're quite an adventurer. I remember you telling me your story about mosquitoes in Alaska.
1: Oh man, I tell you, you never see mosquitoes too. you've been to Alaska at the right time of the year. And uh, I mean, and you were like hunting for dinosaur bones. It, or, weren't you? Yeah, I was looking for un-fossilized dinosaur bones on the north slope of Alaska. And uh, but but the mosquitoes, I, I tell people, be just like if you'd take a hornet's nest and hit it with a stick and don't run, you know, the hornets would be all over you. That's the way the mosquitoes were on us all the time. I mean, it was it was on. Unbelievable, the mosquitoes. And what
0: happened when you had to eat?
1: Oh, well, you, you know, I tell people it tastes like chicken. <laughs> <laughs> the mosquitoes tastes like chicken. Get yeah, that's one. right, it tastes like okay. chicken.
0: Well, tell me about, you, you've got a lot of songs out there. Tell me about some of the, the really popular ones you've been doing.
1: Well, of course, my theme song for answers in Genesis is billions of dead things buried in rock layers laid down by water over There." earth. And that speaks about the world. Say likewise. that again. Billions of dead things buried in rock layers laid down by water all over the earth.
0: Now, I hope all of you got that because uh, if I ever meet you, I'm going to ask you to say that. Say it. <laughs> Go ahead and tell them.
1: Billions of dead things buried in rock layers laid down by water all over the earth.
0: Uh, that just kind of jingles right in there. <laughs> yeah, it just and, rolls off the tongue. And you have another one about a woodpecker?
1: Oh, yeah. Can I tell you a little bit about the woodpecker? Yeah. I wrote this song uh, um, um, uh, about the woodpecker because it's such an amazing bird that God designed. How all this could ever happen by chance is boggles the mind. Wait, wait,
0: wait a minute. Birds are just dinosaurs, aren't they? Oh, that's what
1: course, some people want us it, to believe, but That's no, what no, they no. teach in the textbooks, that's that right.
0: dinosaurs evolved into birds. Yeah,
1: we know better than that, don't we? God created the, the dinosaurs on what day?
0: Day six. Ah, uh, you're good. You're I good. L- I'm learning. Yeah. And
1: what day did God create the birds on?
0: Five. You got it,
1: man. You get an A. Uh, but uh, the woodpecker, uh, if we talk a little bit about the woodpecker, a lot of, a lot of people, when you hear this sound in the forest, and the woodpecker is growing on the tree. Well, a scientist used to think that the woodpecker, he blinks his eyes every time he makes that noise, and his eyes blink every time he does that. And they used to think, well, the woodpecker's blinking its eyes, keeps sawdust from getting in its eyes. That's what you'd think, but they found out, no, that's not the reason. The woodpecker hits that tree so hard and so fast. In fact, it's as fast as some bullets will travel through the air, and that's enough pressure to keep those eyeballs in its skull where they belong. I'd say that's a pretty good sign. Then the woodpecker has stiff tail feathers, a lot stiffer than most birds because the woodpecker, when it's drilling on a tree, uses its tail as a brace against the tree. Two kind of to- like a tripod. Yeah, and two toes a point forward, two toes a point backward to help it to anchor to the tree. And then, uh, then brain surgeons, brain surgeons have studied the skull of this bird because the skull was so well designed, but it doesn't, and there, God put like a cushion in between the skull and the brain so its brains don't turn to mush whenever it's drilling really hard on a tree. But what I really love about the woodpecker, Mike, is its tongue. It's got, a, it's got a long, skinny tongue. Most birds have a relatively short tongue. No, not the woodpecker. He's got a long, skinny tongue, and then on top of that, the woodpecker has an extension on the back of his tongue, and the woodpecker's tongue wraps all the way around its skull and sticks inside of its right nostril. Yep. The woodpecker keeps part of its tongue inside of his nose. I just
0: wonder how many people out there keep their tongue in their nose. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: not too many. Yeah. I usually tell that to boys and girls, and I say, Oh, that's cool. <laughs> so when the woodpecker's drawing on a tree, grrr, discovers, oh, there's something there, I wonder what's inside that hole. He takes that long, skinny tongue, sticks it down that long, skinny hole. How's a woodpecker going to tell the difference between a bug or a piece of sawdust? God thinks of everything. God designed like little tiny whiskers on the tip of that woodpecker's tongue that tickled a bit. You can feel that movement. Ah, oh, this is something I can eat. It's, it's not sawdust, this is bug. I can eat this problem, how's a woodpecker going to get that bug out of that long skinny hole? God thinks of everything. God designed like a little factory, like a glue factory in the tip of that woodpecker. Now all this is go- just working. Woodpecker doesn't know this going on. It just works. And the woodpecker has this little factory that makes glue, and the woodpecker sticks the bug to the end of its tongue so it can draw that bug out of that tight skinny hole, pulls that bug back into its mouth. How's he going to swallow the bug It's glued to its tongue? God thinks of everything. God made another factory in that woodpecker's tongue, but this one is a dissolvent that automatically dissolves that glue, no problem, so now that woodpecker can swallow that bug. I don't know about you, but that's an awful lot of things that has to happen by time, matter, and chance. It tells me we have an awesome God who knows how to do all the detail right from the get-go and designed all that information in the bird we call the woodpecker.
0: And you said the key word there, information. Think of this now. The woodpecker blinks its eyes every time it comes forward to hit that tree. Yep. How many woodpeckers lost their eyeballs before they learned to <laughs> close their eyelids? Yeah, that's, that's
1: right. It shows that God, we've got a master designer that knows how to do this. Yes. It takes a lot more faith to believe that it happened See, by time, matter, and chance, mm-hmm. and then we have an awesome God who speaks and it is done.
0: And some people say, oh, that's instinct. But I like to ask, what is instinct? It's it's really doesn't describe anything. When somebody says it's instinct, what they're really saying is they don't know. Yeah. See, what it is, is the information God programmed into their DNA that yeah. allows them to do that. We do something very much like that. You know what we do every time we sneeze with our eyes? Blink them. Right. We close them. Because you know what happened? If you didn't close your eyelids and you sneezed, your eyeballs would not pop out into your soup. That wouldn't happen. (laughs) But the pressure could hurt them a little bit. Yeah. So we automatically close our eyelids every time we sneeze, not because of instinct, because of the information God programmed into our DNA.
1: Don't we have a great God?
0: We do other things, not by instinct, by information. Now I'm going to really mess everybody up here. How many of you are out there thinking about breathing right now? Now you're thinking about it. <laughs> but you know, we don't have to think about that because it's an automatic thing God did for us. Because yep. if we had to think about breathing, we wouldn't go to sleep, would we? Because <laughs> <laughs> we wouldn't wake up. Uh-huh. But God put all that in us. We have a, like you were saying, we have an awesome God out there. Yes, we do. He knew everything about us.
1: Isn't it good to be in a ministry where God gets the glory Instead of time, matter, and chance. Isn't that exciting to see God get the glory that he deserves? It sure is.
0: Now, there's another strange creature in the Bible. I need you to help me explain this one. Okay. A creature called Leviathan. When oh. I read that description in there of Leviathan in Job chapter 41. It's got sparks of fire leaping out. Yeah.
1: Fire-breathing dragon.
0: Right, right. Now, I like to ask everybody, has anybody ever seen a real fire-breathing dragon? And the answer is No. No, they really haven't. Other than television, and that's pretend. But buddy, I heard there is a real dragon-like creature that lives today.
1: And you're talking about the bombardier beetle.
0: Bombardier beetle. Yeah, a yes. little
1: insect that uh, shoots a hot, fiery gas out of its abdomen at a hot two hundred and twelve degrees at its enemies. Yet it doesn't burn itself up, and and it never misses. And it burns, uh, it burns spiders, toads. Snakes, anything that wants to eat the bombardier beetle is going to get burned with this hot, fiery gas. And it uses two types of chemicals and an inhibitor. Knows how to mix these gases just right at the right moment. So, poof, it burns these spiders and snakes. How did all that happen by time, matter, and chance? I mean, this was something better worked first time. There's not going to be a bombardier beetle.
0: That's right. I've heard that some of our combustion engineers are studying this tiny little creature, a half inch long, yep. to build better combustion engines, more wow. efficient. Wow. Now, this bombardier beetle is an incredible creature. You said it shoots out 212 degrees, basically a liquid fire. Yeah. Now, how does it do this? And you mentioned it, it's got two storage tanks in there. Yeah. And one storage tank has hydroquinone hydrogen peroxide. You know what happens when you mix those two things together? Nothing. <laughs> but then it opens the door and shoves that, those chemicals into another chamber where it has some inhibitors, some enzymes. And then when it shoots, it shoots out 212 degrees, liquid fire. Can you imagine what that does to a frog's tongue?
1: Yeah, wow.
0: Now, now, I like to um, do a little fun thing with this bombardier beetle. Let's play evolution here for a moment. Let's just play evolution. We go way back in time before bombardier beetles had any defense mechanism. So, here's all these bombardier beetles growing along getting eaten up by the frogs. And one day, cousin bombardier beetle says, well, gee, I better learn how to defend myself. I think I'm going to evolve some chemicals in this inhibitors. So, it gets all these things together. doesn't know how to separate them yet. And you know what happens if it doesn't separate them? We're all going poof, poof, poof. And we're all blown up. We're all dead. You know what we know about dead things, buddy? Uh. They don't evolve, do they? <laughs> no. So maybe one of them survives. And he says, well, gee, I better separate these chemicals. And this is a very smart beetle because he built these two storage tanks and never even watched Bob the Builder. Isn't that incredible? <laughs> so it's got the two storage tanks now. It's got everything separated. Here comes that frog again. Opens up the door, shoves the chemicals into the second chamber. But, you know, it doesn't have the information to close that door yet. If it doesn't close that door, you know what happens? We have the explosion going out both ends. We've just blown our head off and we're all dead. You know what we know about dead things? <laughs> they don't evolve, do they? No. But maybe one of them survives. It's got it all figured out now. Here comes that frog again. Bombardier beetle opens the door, shoves the chemicals into the second chamber, closes the door and shoots out 212 degrees liquid fire. But you know, this thing's an insect. That means it's got six legs. You know what happens if this beetle doesn't know where its legs are when it shoots out 212 degrees liquid fire? It just shot his legs off, and they're all laying on the ground, getting eaten up by the frogs, and they're all dead. Yeah. You see, this can't happen by evolution. As you said, buddy, this all has to happen the first time or there'd be no bombardier or right. This is not chance. This is real, intelligent design by an all-knowing creator of God.
1: And if God can show us a little insect that can do this, why couldn't he have done something equally amazing in a huge animal that we might call a dinosaur or a dragon That's right. and to have all that information and in, why couldn't it use some type of chemical similar to what the bombardier beetle does mm-hmm. and shoots out that high, hot fiery gas. Right. I mean the, the, the Bible tells us to be able to defend our faith, give a reason for the hope right. that's placed within us right. and I believe that we can do that and I think God chose us, I think God chose us things just like that bombardier beetle.
0: We need to train our children on these things because they are also as Christians told to learn how to defend their faith, and that means it's up to us as the parents, as youth leaders and pastors and Sunday school teachers, we have to train these children how to defend their faith. And it says right in the Bible, as you said, 1 Peter 3.15, we're to have a ready answer always for the hope that's within us. You know, there's another place in the Bible, Jude 3, not chapter 3, only one chapter there, but Jude 3, it tells us and commands us to contend for the faith and that word contend is one of the strongest words in the bible it means we are to agonize over our faith mm. so the bible commands us to be able to do this
1: yep. it's sad it's sad that you know i can't understand like why there's so many pastors and youth leaders today <laughs> There, there's information being made available, and they, they ignore that information yes. because they still hang on to the millions of years because I think they, 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 they want to, uh, to please man rather than God. I tell you what, uh, who, 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 who's insulted? Would you rather insult uh, a person that, that, uh, or, or would you rather insult a holy God? I don't want to insult God, no. and, and I think he writes plainly. I I believe he means exactly what he says. He's God. He's all-powerful. He's awesome in his power. And he gave us his word as when he did it. And I think it's about time that the church starts to believe in
0: his word. Yes. Well, i got another question for you, buddy. Okay. What color were dinosaurs? Oh, that's
1: good. And I tell people maybe they were purple like Barney is, for honor. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Uh, the thing is, is we don't know what color they would be. Uh, and the fossil record, you do find mummified dinosaurs. You find skin texture on some dinosaurs. But, uh, but the color is never in there. So maybe he, he, he could be any color. I like to look at reptiles that, today. I mean, there's all kinds of colors of reptiles. Why couldn't the dinosaurs be different colors as well?
0: Now, we, we know what the skin looked like. Because yep. we, we have imprints of that. We don't do.
1: We? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Kind of pebbly type skin on most of the dinosaurs, yep.
0: Yes. Now, I've got a two part question for you here. All it's right. kind of like two parts. Were dinosaurs on the Ark, and what happened to them?
1: Okay. Were dinosaurs on the Ark? Absolutely. Well, the oh, they're way. too
0: big to get on there, aren't they? Uh, well, <laughs>
1: you know what, I think. Uh, actually, the big dinosaurs would fit on the ark. The ark was plenty, when you narrow down to the kinds, we said there's only about 50 kinds of dinosaurs, thousands of names, only about 50 kinds. And the ark was big enough, but it would have made more sense instead of taking a big, huge dinosaur that might be 100 feet long or a T Rex that would be 40 feet long, take a younger animal that would have lived longer old enough to breed after it got off mm-hmm. the, the ark and reproduce itself but uh, younger animals are easier to care for a lot of times they sleep under stressful conditions i imagine been pretty stressful during the ark during that ride uh, that almost well that years ride on, on the ark so uh, they would live longer to reproduce after the flood was over so i think it would have made sense to take younger animals on board the ark but of course dinosaurs would have went on the ark so, uh, uh, now the dinosaurs that were not on the ark, that's where your fossils come in. Uh, because mm-hmm. almost, we talked about billions of dead things buried in rock layers, say dump water over the earth. Okay. And so, they would have been buried very quickly. So, uh, and, and I think that's where you, where you find the, the fossils. I think, I think the fossil record is a powerful testimony of God's judgment Absolutely. on this world.
0: Because we find dinosaurs all buried together. We call them graveyards, where yes. we find multiple different dinosaurs all buried and fossilized mm-hmm. together. That does not happen by long, slow processes. No, it does And we find most all our fossils in sediments laid down by water. Yeah, and yes.
1: there's the people say, well, there's no evidence of the worldwide flood. They, they neglect to look at the fossil record. That's powerful. Satan has been very clever. He's caused most people, when you look at fossils, he's tricked the mind uh, uh, within the last yes. few generations to think of an animal that lived and died millions of years ago. I've never, I've yet, I dig up dinosaur bones. I've yet to find the first dinosaur bone come with a label on it says, hi, I'm 65 million yes. years old. That's a number that's put there by man. With with their dating methods, it always gives you scattered results. You end up picking the date that best fits what your theory would be.
0: And and, uh, you made mention how the world has influenced us, and that goes along with the dinosaurs being on the ark. Mm -hmm. We always think of the great big grandma and grandpa creatures going on the ark. Mm -hmm. The Bible never teaches that, does it? No, All he had to bring was the young juvenile Mm -hmm. creatures, the young elephants, the young the yep. young d- dinosaurs, yep. and you mentioned there's only about 50 different kinds of dinosaurs. 50 kinds. Plenty of room to fit all those creatures on the ark.
1: So why don't we have dinosaurs a day?
0: Well, yeah, what happened to them?
1: Well, When they came off the ark, no doubt after the flood, the, the landscape had changed greatly. Probably they were not as successful in reproducing as they were in the, in, would have been in the pre-flood world. The ones that lived for a while uh, became known as the dragons. I believe that's where the dragon legends come mm-hmm. in. Powerful evidence, I believe, of that, and with the dragon legends that you find all over the world, and pictures that people draw of dragons that look remarkable, like what we call dinosaurs today. And they, and they died off for a number of reasons, just like we we lose animals every day on this planet. Mm-hmm. Uh, habitat changes, uh, hunting pressure, populations move in; mm-hmm. they couldn't, they just couldn't get a good enough toehold. But I do believe that the ones that lived at least for a while could have been uh, where the dragon legends stem from.
0: Yep. So they went on the ark and they came off the ark. And that's a pretty big event to survive, isn't it? Yep. So does that mean they got their T-shirts after they came off the ark? (laughs) Yeah,
1: they I survived the flood. (laughs) (laughs) So here's my T-shirt. Yeah.
0: Well, dinosaurs, uh, they did survive the flood, came off the flood and lived for a while. And we've got pretty strong evidence that you've been teaching here that they haven't been dead that long. No,
1: with the pictographs and the red blood cells that you find in dinosaur bones, uh, we talked about that the last program, Mm -hmm. finding red blood cells in dinosaur bones, powerful evidence. They're not millions of years old.
0: Right. So the real evidence supports the Biblical model of creation in does. a young earth yeah. and clearly refutes this evolution model of billions of years, however, our education system doesn't want to teach that.
1: You know what's amazing to me, Mike, uh, I do a workshop where I teach boys and girls how to sculpture dinosaurs since I'm a dinosaur artist sculptor and I, and I, I, I do give them this drawing of a T-Rex head. I say we're going to make this T-Rex head here's a drawing and here's a little bit of clay we're going to make that. And I told them how to set the glass eye in, uh, how to put the clay over this drawing, and how to texture the skin. And I said, now anybody that sees your sculpture when you're all done, they're going to say, hey, did you do that? And I tell the boys and girls, I said, all you have to do is just tell the people, no, I didn't do that. Didn't you hear a million years ago there's an explosion in a clay factory and that just turned out? Nobody would buy that, right? It's obvious somebody had to make that. It's just clay on paper. But it's obvious it had a designer. Yet some of the same people that recognize that this clay model had to have a designer, I don't care how many millions of years you'd want, when you look at that, it's more reason to believe it had a designer. But These are some of the same people that will look at the bones of the dinosaur. These huge, well-sculptured bones that couldn't happen by chance, that had a heart inside of it that was beating like this right here. Had lungs inside of that chest cavity that was breathing air in and out. Had a brain that could think. Had eyes that could see. Ears that could hear. Had a nervous system. had Juices in its mouth to break down its food particles. If it became injured, its body knew how to heal itself, and, and, and the blood knew how to clot so that could work. Some of the same people that look at the clay model that the boys and girls do realize it had to have a designer, the same people that look at this dinosaur that's far more superior than the clay model would ever be, and they say that happened by chance. No wonder God says we're without excuse.
0: Buddy, I love your, your emotion when you get into this, and I love your passion when you speak. You speak to little children, and you speak all the way up through adults on, on creation, God's special creation. Well, thank you. Now, you go all over. What, what would it take to have somebody get you to come to their church or location?
1: Oh just write me. <laughs> how how do they get a hold of you, buddy? Uh, well you can get a hold of me through Answers in Genesis and uh and that and, and there's a good way to, of doing that. Or they can they can just get us on our on our uh, Facebook page. So a lot of people I have a Facebook page, it's A I G Buddy
0: Davis. Okay. make sure everybody get that. Repeat That's that again. A
1: I G Buddy Davis. Don't put in Buddy Davis. I pop up but I don't keep it up. You gotta get on AIG Buddy Davis. Okay. And that, you can get a hold of me that way. And, that's, and By the way, the, the Facebook page, uh, AIG Buddy Davis, we do a scripture verse every day. I, I live in Amish country in central Ohio, so I, have, in fact I have my own buggy and my own horse. There I really you. do, yeah. We live in about a 180-year-old log cabin, it's original cabin. So when I'm home, I take pictures in around the cabin and stuff. And when I'm on the road, I always take pictures that's on the road.
0: Just like so, a real frontiersman.
1: Oh, I love it, man. I just love it. I tell you. God is so good to me. I, I tell people I get to build songs, or I get to build dinosaurs and sing songs. You can't beat that one. With club. <laughs> what are
0: some other your, your really popular songs, uh, like Soar? I've heard of that
1: one. Yes. Oh, yeah. I, I, I get uh, testimonies where that song's been used in uh, for funerals. That song has been used for people that, that's, that's had cancer and that's going through cancer treatments right now just as an encouragement to them. God's used that song in a, in a powerful way, and so it's a song about an eagle. And the way I come to write the song Soar is uh, there's a lady that goes to our church and she knows that my wife and I write books on animals, wildlife books, and she says, buddy, I found this article about an eagle in the newspaper. I cut it out for you. I hope you get some good out of it, maybe it'd help you write uh, something about eagles in one of your books. Well, I didn't use that information, Mike, for, for any of our books, but I did use it to write the song that I call SOAR that you was asking me about, and according to the article that's in the newspaper, the eagle is a kind of a strange bird. Most animals, when a storm is approaching, they'll seek shelter, won't they? They'll try to get away from the storm. That's a normal thing for an animal to do, but God created the eagle a bit strange. Many times an eagle, listen to this, flies directly towards a storm, and the eagle will find a high location, and the eagle will wait for the wind from the storm to arrive. And when the wind arrives, the eagle spreads its wings, and the wind will get underneath the eagle's wings, and it rises up above the storm. It still has to deal with the problem. The eagle has to go through the storm. But God's taught it how to do that with faith and with courage. And I thought, wow, if God cares that much for the eagle, how much more does he care for human beings, people who are created in his image? And it's with those ideas that I wrote the song, Soar. And I always like to dedicate that song to anybody that's in my audience that's going through a difficult time in their life. And usually there's more than one or two. And uh, and I hope that song will be an encouragement to them. And God has used that song, and to him be the glory.
0: Yeah, we've got a lot of your CDs there, buddy, and Thank they're you. they're great. They're Thank you. you. have got just a whole variety, of, and sometimes well, you,
1: you know, I like to write. Uh, I, I, I'm considered. A, a, I'm almost stereotyped as just being just for children, and, and I have a wonderful children's ministry, and my and I love. Uh, the, I love the boys and girls, but my ministry is really bigger than that. I I, I sing for the family. Mm-hmm. I write songs for the family. I write songs for adults. I write songs for children. I write songs and for your teenagers.
0: front porch gospel uh, CDs.
1: Yep. And, and instrumentals, CDs, too, where we, where we try to, uh, again, all the music is, is to, to give God the glory. I really love doing that. I've been, I've been playing music since I was about 14 years old. And I love writing songs. And now what's interesting, I lived down in Nashville, Tennessee for a while as a singer-songwriter in Nashville. And uh, and, um, and it looked like things was going to work out for me, but things just sort of fell apart, and I moved back home. And this is how God, did you share if i say this? No. Nope, I moved back home, and uh, and I thought, wow, I've really failed. I didn't make it in Nashville. God had bigger plans for me. Had I remained in Nashville, I wouldn't know I could sculpture. I didn't know I could sculpture. And I, I started sculpture, and I started sculpturing dinosaurs, and it took off for me and ancestors uh, in genesis hired me for sculpture dinosaurs for the for the creation museum. And I was completely satisfied. Then, then Ken Ham uh, sees my uh, sees my guitar when he's visiting at my LOW cabin one day. He says, "Play me a song on your guitar." And I didn't want to do it. I wasn't practiced up. And I played him a song. This is God working. And God was answering a prayer that took over 32 years for it to be answered. So you never give up on your prayers. You just don't quit. Right. And God was working that night. And uh, and 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 he liked my song. He put me on the road singing. Now I have like. Uh, 18 cds it's out getting ready to record a brand new CD. This, and and just a few months and uh, and i tell people you know that that's god that didn't happen by chance nobody's going to convince me it could could anything but god could do this and uh, i'm just i just i just feel so blessed i get i get to sing and i get to build dinosaurs mm-hmm. i get to sing for the whole family for boys and girls and for moms and dads and uh, it's just awesome god wow. is great
0: less life we have don't we amen well, let's finish up with the T-Rex. Oh, I the, love the, T-Rex. Tell That's us a, about that T-Rex.
1: T-Rex is superstar of most dinosaurs, yes. right? I mean, he's, everybody knows what Tyrannosaurus Rex is. Uh, he's a dinosaur that weighed about seven tons. That's as much as a big bull African elephant weigh, seven tons. T-Rex is about uh, 40 feet long. That's as long as a school bus. Mm-hmm. So I like to use those illustrations when I'm teaching about T-Rex. So how, how much did he weigh? Seven tons? How, much, uh, how big would that be? That's as much as an element. Oh, okay. Uh, how long was T-Rex? Oh, T-Rex, he's, he's 40 feet long. How long is 40 feet? Oh, that's about as long as a school bus. You know, so that's a t- uh, mm-hmm. tools that I use to teach to get this in, in boys' and girls' minds.
0: How tall was the largest T-Rex?
1: The, the, well, they used to say that he was 18 and a half feet tall. But, uh, but that there would be like measuring my horse. I have a horse. My horse's name is Cowboy. And, uh, and, and, and that would be like measuring Cowboy if he was rearing up, and that wouldn't be the proper way of measuring a mm-hmm. horse. So you want to measure the horse when he's down on all fours, and you measure him up to his withers. And, well, T-Rex, we no longer think he stood 18 and a half feet tall. He's more bent over. Mm-hmm. And so if you, if you measure him when he's bent over, he'd be between 12 to 14 feet tall at, mm-hmm. his, at his hips. Now, the
0: largest T-Rex they found, they gave it a name, Sue. Is that correct? And yeah. Sue, why yeah. did they do that?
1: Oh, they, they thought it was a they thought it was a female, uh, and and since then they found some some parts of it where they say we well, don't know it was a female or it could have been a male too. Uh-huh. So, yeah. But that's one of the largest T Rex and one of the most complete T Rex. They've only found like two arms of T Rex has been complete, and Sue had uh, complete arms. So T the, the arms of T T. And imagine this a dinosaur as long as a school bus, but its it, its its arms are no bigger than mine, uh, but well muscled. And, and the, But it's, its fingers were, were pretty big. Uh, I've got uh, some castings of the fingers and the claws of T-Rex, and they're huge, but little tiny arms on this big dinosaur. In fact, the arms wouldn't even reach through the dinosaur's mouth. They're not even sure what it uses arms for.
0: Not for wrestling, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs>
1: no, no. I could almost arm wrestle a T-Rex.
0: Uh, That'd be terrible, because if they tripped and fell, they couldn't block their fall with their arms, could well, they?
1: Well, T-Rex had between 50 to 60 teeth in its, in its mouth, and if you'd break a tooth off, another one would grow in. If you break that tooth off, another one would grow And If you break that tooth off, another one would grow. T-Rex continued to grow teeth his entire life. Some of the teeth were between 7 to 14 inches long, so that's a, that's a pretty big yeah, tooth. That is a
0: huge tooth. Yeah. They're pretty sharp
1: pretty sharp. Its brain was about the same size and, and, uh, of what a sheep's brain would be, but most of the scientists tell me that they believe a sheep would be more intelligent than T-Rex. But I like thinking this way, if you have a 50 to 60 teeth in your mouth that's 7 inches long to 14 inches long, you weighed 7 tons, you're 40 feet long, you, you wouldn't have to be the sharpest knife in the drawer to get your no own way, no so, way, so I think T-Rex did alright for himself. Now, here,
0: Here's an interesting question, how
1: fast could dinosaurs run? I well, see them on the, these
0: Jurassic Park movies. We have a T. Rex chasing a jeep going yeah, 40, well, 50 miles yeah, an hour. Is yeah, that, that true?
1: Oh no, that wouldn't. That, that there's kind of stretching a bit. But I think I th- we know that they could they could run. Uh, and I've heard th- this is uh, I've heard some people say that T. Rex couldn't run fast. I wonder about that because they say, well, T. Rex w- w- he was so big uh, that that he couldn't run fast. Well, he weighed as much as an elephant. Uh, elephant can run pretty fast for a short distance. Yes. And so I imagine T. Rex. I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to be in front of one. No,
0: I've heard they can go up to maybe twenty miles an hour, yeah, which is pretty quick. That's, that's pretty good. But not as fast as the Olympic runners. No. However, <laughs> we get tired when we run fast, don't we? And we start slowing down. I know I do. <laughs> so if a T. Rex is chasing you, don't try and outrun it. You might become food, is what you're saying. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And in Jurassic Park movies, they they have this depiction of if you're standing next to T. Rex and. Just stand still and they can't see you? Mm. How do we know that?
1: Oh, that's movies. Movies, yeah. It's Hollywood. Yeah, that's the way in the movie uh, uh, Jurassic Park, they made the Velociraptors about man size. Yeah. And really, Velociraptor, if he was on my lap right here, his back would only be right here if he was on my lap. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess they thought in the movies it wouldn't make too exciting of a movie if all this raptor could do would be bite your kneecaps. So, yes. so, so they made him grow. But what's interesting when they were doing that, movie they found another type of raptor right I think right after the film is done it's called Utah Raptor and Utah Raptor did get about man yes. size but we're talking about kinds just like yes. we have big dogs little dogs in between yes. dogs and dogs always a dog raptors are always raptors There's different kinds of raptors but it stays a raptor that's where we break down about 50 different kinds of dinosaurs altogether.
0: together well it's been a pleasure having you on again buddy well, I, exactly. again I just love your knowledge of dinosaurs your knowledge of the creation issue and your passion for the Bible, because that's where it all points back
1: to. Thank you, Mike. It's really been great being here with you, and I always look forward to to being with you. I always look forward whenever I'm in town, we always go out and we get something good to eat.
0: It's always hot sauce, isn't it? Always is, yeah. Well, I want to thank you for joining uh, Creation Training Radio and TV again. Again, we're Creation Training Initiative. My name is Mike Riddle. And if you'd like to bring us out to your organization, your church, or have Buddy Davis come out, how can they contact
1: you again, Buddy? Uh, the best best thing I could tell them would be check my Facebook page. That's AIG Buddy Davis.
0: Or you can go to our website, and uh, if you can't get a hold of Buddy, we can get a hold of him for you. That's creationtraining.org. If these lessons had been a blessing to you, you might consider financially supporting the Ministry of Creation Training Initiative. You can do this by going to our website, creationtraining.org Again, that's creationtraining.org Your tax-deductible donation of just $20, $50 or more a month or a one-time gift of any amount will make you an education partner in building an army of Christian educators who can teach the biblical account of creation and train others to be able to defend their faith and be biblically faithful to God's Word as it states in 1 Peter 3.15 but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear.